do you have any honorable mentions of pieces that didn't quite make your top seven? Yes, I do. I, I, I have three honorable mentions that are a little more kind of goofy in nature, but still they're <laughs> it's it's tracks that I've been listening to recently. But but um first has to be um I've been listening to a lot of um Rasputin by Boney M. <laughs> a bit of a, a rogue choice, but I remember kind of being first introduced to the piece, uh, playing that um, game that you play on the Wii called Just Dance, you know, and you're like following okay. you know, the ones that you play at New Year or whatever, and you're just following along dancing and coming across um, <laughs> Rasputin and being like, oh gosh, this is a great tune, but I've just absolutely loved it. It's one of these ones where you dance around your bedroom too, but I've also weirdly kind of gone down a bit of a uh, the other night was going down a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole, which is always very dangerous, but um, was listening <laughs> through. And then I was just all of a sudden watching various videos of uh, Russian men doing dance, you know, all this kind of Cossack dancing, which I don't know how they get into these squat positions, but I've <laughs> not tried to do it along dancing along to Boney M. But yeah, it's quite amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's just got my imagination going a bit wild. <laughs> but really weirdly, I, I only just found out because obviously Boney M, I think it's... Um, I think it's three or four of them, but the the guy in the group actually doesn't sing at all. He's he doesn't even though he's you know you even hear him on um what's that Mary's watch you know da 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 da. It's not him. He he's completely dubbed. He he is just the face. Really? Yeah, he doesn't sing a single note. <laughs> oh wow! Studio magic. So he's ha- having the greatest career ever, making being one of the members of Boney M, but hasn't had to sing a single <laughs> note. Amazing. Tell us about your other honourable mentions. Yes, one of them is called uh, Stuck in the Middle with You by Steelers Wheels, which is um, a bit of a sing in the shower number. That's the one that I've totally like. Again, kind of uh, from a movie. I was watching, I uh, don't know if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, but I only recently oh, yeah. watched uh, Reservoir Dogs for the first time. Okay. And it actually happens at a really horrific torture scene. But I think that's the point. It's like, it's just all of a sudden, you know, it's this awful, oh gosh. But then you got stuck in the middle going on. You're just like, oh gosh, yeah, this is so kind of twisted. But like, but in a kind of, I don't know, Clockwork Orange kind of way, you've got the funky music going yeah. on in the background. You're like, oh, but it's such a sing-along tune. It's one that I've had, yeah, as I say, in the shower and in the car and stuff like that. It's so good. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. It's it's interesting because everyone was speaking of Reservoir Dogs, saying it's like oh amazing Quentin. You know, I I like Quentin Tarantino. You have to be kind of in the mood or kind of in the frame yeah. of no, you have to don't you have to be able to stomach it on the um of the guts. But um, it's it's amazing. He is so fantastic. But the um, Reservoir Dogs is so interesting because it's it's one of these movies where you weirdly start to feel claustrophobic in a movie it's one of like i don't know if you have maybe it's just me i'm weird but like when i watch tv shows or 
um, uh, movies, I start to feel claustrophobic because you feel like, oh my gosh, we've just been in this one room for what feels like, you know, it's all just shot uh, in this one yeah. room or, or characters haven't, we haven't gone somewhere else. And I'm like, how are we still here talking about, I, I need something else to change. You know, I need some, I need to go somewhere else. But the point is Reservoir Dogs all takes part in this place, basically in this one building and it's a bit like a three-act play in some ways rather yeah. than it being this high you know they're talking about all the yeah, well, no spoilers or anything but all this stuff that's crazy stuff that's going on but you just see people talking in a room <laughs> you're like ah yeah and your your next honorable mention yeah my my third one is um it's the a real driving song just now that i've just found because i was when I was driving back up to Scotland uh, to visit my folks and stuff like that, it was just, I put on this uh, song by the Australian uh, kind of psychedelic rock band um, Tame Impala. Very, very cool. Something that I wouldn't think I'd be really into. But then all of a sudden I was just driving along and I was like, oh my gosh, I automatically feel like I'm in a movie. I was just like going along being like, oh, this feels cool. But I better concentrate on the road, but this feels cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like driving along and... Um, they're really cool it's as i say like psychedelic i, I watched um very coachella that's where they'd be like perfect at that music festival so i watched like a live thing of them and it's such a spectacle to see it's all the, the light show the laser all that and, and the music is just so cool but it's um i only I, it always feels like we go backwards it's 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 such a a cool tune and yeah as i say for driving it's it's awesome In terms of you as a solo singer now, do you, mm. so you're obviously singing quite a lot of opera and that's, mm. I think, where you want to sort of go. What sort of stuff do you like singing as a, a soloist? Oh, well, I love that. I think, I think I've had lots of conversations with my singing teacher because, yeah, I absolutely love this kind of world of opera and being introduced to it because it's so varied. But I, I, I still, I, I love the kind of choral stuff as well. Mm. And I love looking at, especially, I've done a lot of Bach this term. So looking yeah. at the passions uh, and these, I mean, they really need to be, especially, I'm sure you've sung a lot of Bach as well, have played or conducted, but it's just this kind of clockwork music that, especially for the vocal lines, they're written like instrumental lines. Yeah. So it's so, it's so like, demandingly difficult but needs to sound you need to sound like an oboe you need to sound like a bassoon which is so hard sometimes yeah. for the human voice but it's uh, i really love this kind of um that uh, that sort of music so yeah i and i i'm really kind of getting into um in the operatic side of stuff looking at uh we're always looking at bel canto but i i, I love the contemporary stuff as well trying to you know, can you dare say that Britain is still contemporary? But yeah, I'm <laughs> looking at the kind of more modern stuff. I, and I love doing uh, new, working with new composers because I think that's such a uh, an exciting uh, mm. outlet when you're like, there are no recordings of this. There is not, the, this is kind of, the ink is still wet from when it was printed and you can kind of put your own twist on it because I think so many times we listen to recordings and there's such a way to sing bel canto. There's such a way to perform. Oh, everyone does that top note in this way and holds it. You're like, oh, but with new music, you can totally do something that hasn't been done before. I guess. Yeah, and I think with uh, what I've 
sort of seen with new operas and how they've evolved, um, and I'm mm. talking proper 21st century stuff, a lot of it is, yeah, the ink might still be wet, but actually we can re- re- rewrite this based on how that rehearsal's gone with that particular singer. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. It becomes so collaborative. Yeah, part of the process. Yeah, exactly. And things change quite a lot. So it's fascinating because you've I think you've got this particularly with classical music and since Beethoven and stuff there's been this the composer is you know the all authority and you must yeah. be so faithful to the score and I think that's changed a lot now in sort of general practice um with when it comes to contemporary music and there probably are some uh some composers out there where people are like, well, well, we're not going to touch that. That's, that's great. I'm thinking like James McDillan and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I think with a lot of new younger composers, it, it particularly with opera and musicals and stuff like that, it is um, so collaborative and you're constantly sort of tinkering. And it, just going back to that um, podcast episode that I was listening to with Howard Goodall. Oh yeah. He was talking about uh, one of the musicals he was doing and, how they just were constantly changing the musical um, the whole way through previews. Really? They had a, I think they had like a couple of weeks of previews and they'd, they'd do a performance, they'd come in the next day, they'd be s- switching the location of songs because it was, they had the whole collaboration with the whole artistic team, uh, with him as composer and the actors and the dancers and uh, I think it was Bendit like Beckham that he was writing. So they oh, had right. professional footballers in like choreographing oh, stuff. Um, my but it was about for them. It was all about how it worked with an audience, and mm-hmm. so they were constantly checking how the audience were reacting to things. And yeah, it's I just found that I, I found it really fascinating coming from a composer point of view because quite a lot of the time I'm writing something and it's like I print it off and we sing it (laughs) yeah yeah and it's and it's uh, oh if that bit didn't work well we'll just work on it more next time rather than thinking oh maybe yeah and then yeah and but yeah there definitely has been like for me as a composer there's definitely been moments where I've gone that doesn't work because of this that and the other there's a Mm. there's a point in my I did a Mr. Brevis setting about mm-hmm. 10 years ago and which I, I have a lot of time for it. There are a lot of flaws in it, but there's one bit where I get the altos imitating something that the tenors have just done and uh-huh. it doesn't work because it's so low in the alto voice that it doesn't yep. come across where it's in quite a good register for the tenors. So you hear the tenors really clearly, then the altos come in and it, it's just not really there and yeah, you can yeah yeah it's just it's bad writing on my part but i haven't figured out a way to make it better without compromising mm-hmm. the sort of overall thing in a, in a way having a choir like Salford that you can meet every so often you can just test us as guinea pigs be like ah oh, how does this work here like, okay, that doesn't work that does work so. i think uh, what i what has made my composing better has been being a conductor because you're just mm. you're you're basically learning all the time every time you conduct a, a new piece. But yeah. uh, that collaborative nature of music, uh, particularly with new composers and opera and stuff, is so interesting. And it's great that you're going in that sort of direction. That's really exciting. I think definitely um, it's interesting with these new composers because I guess we hope in a lot of ways that you know even composers like dove or glass it's like will we still be hearing their music in 100 200 years time yeah and i really hope we will will we still 
be performing their music because it is so fantastic and, and as you say it's 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 this collaborative process where it's like these things can change so i think we need to be part of the history because it's great to uh bring out you know the mozart operas that are it's, it's great to do these ones that have been done for hundreds of years and they they rightly so but there has to be some movement forward as well or else we just get stuck in this kind of i don't know 300 year gap you know we're just repeating these exactly same... and i think <laughs> there's something about because every time you go and see one of those traditional operas, um, like any sort of Mozart or, um, I mean, I, I don't know. It's for me, opera is relevant to everyone. And yeah. when you talk to someone who has never seen an opera before in their life, they just immediately, quite often, more than more often than not, they immediately just dismiss it as well. That's sort of a bit Switch too highbrow, yeah. and that's not me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you think, well, actually, no, I think this this could be you yeah absolutely you see the work that birmingham opera company do for example yeah they have such a huge volunteer element to the stuff that they do and i've seen some of their stuff live and been blown mm. away by it just wow. seeing like all of these people who would not normally be the sort of white middle class who'd go to the opera and sort of pat mm. themselves in the back for having um yeah. experienced all that uh that was really great i think there's so many different like factions of what opera is now oh absolutely which is really absolutely. exciting yeah because there's there's also work for a charity as well called a streetwise opera, oh of course yeah which is i uh, did did some volunteering with them obviously uh pre-covid they, they um we met at a place called the booth center it's obviously working with um uh vulnerable and homeless people predominantly who um visit the center for whether that's to get um, uh, aid with uh, housing or job seeking or just meals, square meals, it's it's an amazing, amazing place. But you really do have, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people rolling in from pretty vulnerable places in their lives, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Come and join us upstairs for a, a session on opera," and you know, you're met with, "What, what yeah. is this?" But the the, the sessions are absolutely absolutely amazing yeah. and it, and it was all started because some uh, mp had uh, described homelessness in london as oh homeless people are those the people you walk over on the steps as you go into the royal opera house in covent garden and that needed to change and all of a sudden you know these people are sick we, we did a, a a scratch performance of lab om obviously we're we kind of change we're doing the tunes um but we're changing the lyrics yeah and it's in english and we do performance of it and then we get all these free tickets to go to the up so we went and we went to see kurt Vile's uh, street scene which was amazing you yeah. know and we went with a group of 15 uh, members of uh, streetwise and they were just absolutely love it and 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 the guy i was sitting next to uh he was talking about he was asking oh what's my favorite opera and he's like, oh mine's tosca i i, I never got into this opera but i, I love tosca and, and then you know tapping the shoulders of the people and for all these kind of a bit more stiffy nose to its page you know we're in probably 80 pound tickets yeah and, seats, and tapping the people on the shoulders being like oh so what's your favorite opera and they were a bit like oh well I'm not really sure, you know, like these people who probably are just there for the the pizzazz of it rather than actually loving it. And I was like, yeah, that's this 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 is accessible. Yeah, it's just needed to kind of, as you say, kind of break that back or kind of oh see that it is for you. You can get into this exactly. And I so I worked with Streetwise Opera in Nottingham, mm. and um, I was in the oh. composer resident scheme like a while ago. Oh, amazing. so I worked with the Nottingham group. Yeah, to write a piece like a five-minute opera chorus, which was mm-hmm. such an eye-opening, almost life-changing experience. Just yeah. watching. I mean, I was in, in awe of the two guys who ran the sessions because mm-hmm. it was the 
a, a similar situation to what you just, just described in the booth center. I, I remember walking in going, I have no idea what is about to happen. And <laughs> nothing really happened for a while. And then suddenly someone got out a little keyboard and there was a bit of Verdi going on. And we were all, yeah. <laughs> people were just singing. And some people were not singing. Some people were singing. And then gradually a group formed around and then they were discussing, I think they were discussing Peter Grimes. And... Oh, it was really interesting because they were talking they were talking about the plot and the experience of the characters in the opera. And then everyone was just bringing their own experience to that and saying how they could mm-hmm. relate to that, which was so interesting. Then they go and see the opera and this group were quite a rowdy bunch, let's say. And yeah, yeah. It's, it just brings a whole new dynamic into oh, that theatre. Breath of fresh air. Yeah, you can see these people who are dressed up to the nines and are so proud of themselves for going to see an opera. So that's probably unfair, but you know what I mean? And Mm-mm. and then you've got these people who've, you know, they're just wearing what they normally wear and yeah. are just really excited to, to see this, this spectacle in front of them and are so passionate about it. And because they've had these sessions with Streetwear's Opera, they know the opera quite well and they know some yeah. of the songs and the plot and they're just so engaged and it's so in, it's so refreshing. Absolutely. And the fact that then these 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 guys have gone they've been like on the chorus at, at Royal Opera. You know, they yeah. did I think they did the Carmelites, the Poulenc, and they've also done the Bach Passion with the Sixteenth. Yeah. You know, incredible. These guys are <laughs> performing at the highest level. They were gonna, gonna do a Vinterizer with them. Um, Roddy Williams as well at COVID, but they managed to do an online version. But it really is just the most amazing thing. So you've got quite a quiet week this week. Did you say? Uh, it's yeah, it's not too bad. Um, I've got some um, got a scenes performance tonight, so that'll be strange. And there's oh. there's like an an audience, and it's just kind of internal students and stuff yeah. like that. But doing some Benjamin Britten, which will be it's 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 Owen Wingrave, so very late oh. Britain. Do you know right. Owen Wingrave? I do know Owen Wingrave. Oh, yeah. there you go. So, who are you playing? Well, I am Owen. <laughs> so, you are uh, Owen. We, oh, we, great! We, the, the thing was, it was uh, all very last minute because um, sadly uh, another baritone had uh, had to drop out of the scene. So I just got okay. this kind of panicked email from the head, being like, "Hello, Ross, could you quickly just learn this? Uh, we need to." Oh, I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then, <laughs> and they were like, "Who am I playing?" You're like Owen in Owen Wingrave. Oh gosh, here we go, and it's pretty, um, as you say, late Britain, so it's pretty funky <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So it's been, it's been good. I mean, it's great. I always describe Britain as that kind of funny composer where it's the most when you first are confronted with whether you're learning it, especially as operas, you're like, oh, it's like trying to drive a car that's not in the right gear. You know, it's kind of like, but then as soon as you've got it, it just goes like butter. It's really like, yeah. oh, it makes sense. Yeah, you're right. And I've I've seen that vocal score for Owen Wingrave mm. and be like, how does this work? <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a lot of notes, but it's a, it's a really interesting piece. I discovered it at uni and I think I did an essay on it. With, oh, really? With like pacifism and Britain. Oh, and... yeah, absolutely. He likes to kind of write himself kind of indirectly into, or directly into his operas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you if you go through every one, you can sort of you can pin you can pull out um different parts of his mm-hmm. character and stuff. Um Sorry, my Alexa. Stop. <laughs> so I decided to join in and wanted to get in on the batter pod. <laughs> well, you know, everyone's keen. 
just so that we can, you know, keep tabs on you. What um, what does the future hold for you, Ross? So yeah, so um, in uh, I'm finishing my masters here at the RNCM, so that will be scarily finishing up in uh, the end of June. Then I've got some exciting contracts this summer, which will be with various opera company of doing a Cendrillon, uh, Pauline Viardot's um, Cendrillon with the uh, Buxton Festival Opera. So. Um, oh, great. That, which, so if you're free oh, nice. and now available, come through to Buxton and see that. Tickets yeah. have just gone on sale. So I am nice. Le Baron Picardou, who's um, <laughs> uh, one of the, well, he's Cinderella's father. So that'll be fun. And then also doing some stuff with uh, Genesis 16, which will be really good. We're through to um, Oxford, I think. Yeah. And then doing a Cosi Fantutte with Cumbria Opera. So that'll be really, really good fun. And then starting in Glasgow in September for the opera school. So it's all just kind of, <gasps> but yeah, going to make the most of the time here in Manchester, but definitely going to come down. I really want to come back a lot to Manchester and keep singing here. So keep the connections up. Brilliant. Well, you'll always be welcome back mm. in the always. Fantastic. Um, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Alex. This has been great fun. Really fun. No, wonderful. Really, really interesting. And just good to chat, you know. Yeah, of absolutely. Getting to the end of rehearsal and going, can you all please leave? Thank <laughs> you. Let's push lies. Excellent. Right, I'm just going to stop recording. I think we've got everything.